As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Lazen Powers is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals of last-minute tickets. Did you know Blackhawks tickets tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You know, personally, I when I get on the site, I, I love how you can see the panoramic views. You can see where exactly where you're sitting. Uh, you know what sort of view you're going to have when you have the tickets, and when you get there, it, it's 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 what they sell you. So it's uh, it's easy to see where you're going to sit and and how the, it's going to look where you sit. So uh, so go ahead to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Game Time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to a special edition of Lazen Power. Special. Special. It's so special. Uh, we are here at the United Center. We're going to talk about our all-decade Blackhawks team. Uh, you just stated very like fair. <laughs> it's like an interesting transition. <laughs> this is uh, what we're going to talk about today. First, because I am a pedant, we have to talk about the fact that the decade does not officially end until next December. I fought and lost the battle about that here because I guess colloquially this is the end of the 2010s. Uh, 2020 is the last year of the 2010s, but nobody wants to listen to me. Yeah, there was too, much bomb, was too much emotion throughout the entire organization. <laughs> I remember back when I worked at the Sun-Times, poor Jeff Agrest, who is the slot editor. Um, very early on, I, I guess the previous style was we did uh, singulars with teams like the Minnesota Wild, like the Minnesota Wild, it's, 
Yeah. Uh, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning won its game against the Blackhawks, things like that. And I hate that with the fury of like a thousand suns. And I, I, you know, every everywhere I've gone, every paper I went to, I would have to have this fight and I would win this fight. But Agrest, he's every bit as pedantic as me. I love him for it. We had like this epic email back and forth. I think we had Chris DeLuca, the sports editor, looped into it, and he was just going nuts reading this crap, where we were just having the nerdiest, just horrible conversation. You can have like thousands of words back and forth about why it should be plural, and you can't write a game story without using the word they, and it was awful. And we went back and forth and back and forth, and I was also the whole part of this conversation was that my whole thing about it's the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Stanley Cup final, not the NHL playoffs, not the Stanley Cup finals, all the nerdy shit that drives me nuts and nobody else cares about. I, I do care about some of this. I also think because... For the record, I won all the debates because yeah. everyone just got sick of me. I, I Sort of like when... A lot in soccer, there's one game, which is a final. You know? Like, it's... There's also multiple games that are played within a... It's a series of games that constitutes a final. It's a final series. Yeah. Each individual game is not a final. Therefore, it's not the finals. But with the NBA, you have to call it the finals because it's a name. It's a proper name. Right. And it's like, it's like when people don't call it the Stanley Cup playoffs, they call it the NHL playoffs. I'm like, no, it has a name. You wouldn't say the MLB Championship Series or the MLB. It's the World Series. It's a dumb name. You call it that. The Super Bowl. What a silly name that is. You wouldn't call it the NFL title game. It's the Super Bowl. But from a, I guess from an idea that the whole series, though, is a finals. There's more no. than one game that's final. But each individual game is not itself a final. It's only a final as an entire series of games. And series is a singular word. I guess the the, the look. The, the, I, I I will I will I will make you run out of the arena screaming and cursing <laughs> at me for this. I will not back down at all on this. All right, we'll just... That's how I won the fight. That then <laughs> I lost this one though because nobody cares. Um, so, so we're all decade team. All decade team. It's a pretty good decade for the Blackhawks. All yeah, this would be so, it would been a lot harder <laughs> last decade if you were around doing this. Oh man, the two thousands all decade team. Would Eric Daze be like <laughs> like on the top line? All the, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Tyler Arneson and. Uh, all those wonderful players that came through. Now, because th- th- this actually complicated things, because in my head, we shouldn't have counted the 2009-2010 Stanley Cup team. <laughs> I'm glad you did this, because I... I <laughs> <laughs> well, th- th- that's what made it difficult. Like, that, that was the, the tricky part of this, was Dustin Bufflin played th- six months in this decade for the yeah. Blackhawks. So do I discount that, or is it just these are the best players that came through here? I eventually sided on... You, you know, Dustin Bufflin is one of the six best defensemen they've had yeah. in that time span. So, but there were there were also some where like the tiebreaker would have been, well, this guy was only like, like Brad Richards was here for one year. You and I, this is one of the ones I asked you about, and I relented. I had I think I had um, I didn't have Brad Richards on there because he only played one year, but it was a really good year. He was I think really you had good. Anisimov. Right, I had Anisimov because I just put I, I put Panarin and Anisimov Kane back yeah. together. But because uh, Anisimov was here for four years and was scored twenty goals all those years, and, yeah, right. but you argued that Richards had a better year and he, and he's a better player and he was. And yeah. I mean, it, it's true, but that's when you're making these kinds of teams, you have to decide: do you, does longevity matter? And we kind of basically veer to the side of it doesn't. That were, these are just the best players that came. Through. Yeah, and plus it's it's within the ten. You know, yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's such a short short period. I mean, Dustin Bufflin was an Atlanta Thrasher by June of 2010, but he's. One of the six best players that played for the Blackhawks right, yeah. in this decade. That's so. That's what we kind of had to decide. Yeah, no, I, I think ultimately that was the best way to do because otherwise it could have been stranger the other way. Just yeah, I, 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 had, I had some guys in that top twelve that you would have looked at like really. Yeah, but like, yeah, it would have been. And, and the fact that those when we talk about like Richards or Buffalo, those guys who end up one winning cups too, that like it adds it, another it, layer it to factor, it. You know? Yeah, it should. I mean, Anisimov, you know, 
was a good player, but they didn't do anything in any of his years. Yeah. They didn't win a single playoff series in his years. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, the top line was was a no brainer. It's Patrick Sharp, Jonathan Taze, Marion Hosa, which they played, I think, one year actually together for like the entire year. I think it was 13, 14. And they were so far and away the best line in hockey. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And it was the happiest I've ever seen Patrick Sharp, by the way, because he was finally getting those 22 minutes a night. He was, and he was making the most of it. He was fantastic. Um, I, I don't think that, like, Saad Taves Hosa got more play on that top line over the years. But Sharp Taves Hosa, that's like, that was those, those three guys kind of at the height of their powers. And ultimately, if you're talking, I mean, I guess, I mean, you throw Kane in the conversation if you're talking about, like, best forwards who came through that period. But that I, I think Sharp has been more successful than Saad and, and certainly proven himself to deserve yeah. that. Which brings us to the, the big question that we always get is, is Patrick Kane really the second liner on this team? And he has been. Because Jonathan Taves is the number one center, therefore whatever line he's on always goes first in rushes, yeah. always goes first in warm-ups. But if we're, if we're doing like ice time and stuff, like it, it, it right. doesn't always add up to that. But, it's but, but the, the question I came up with is, 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 you know, I wasn't just doing forwards, I was going by position. And the Marion Hossa versus Patrick Kane debate is a legitimate debate. Yeah. Like, I, I put Sharp Taves Hossa together because that was the line, but I also, honest to God, and this is no offense to Patrick Kane, I would pick Marion Hossa over him as the better all-around player over the last 10 years. Which well, yeah. is hard to say when Kane's the greatest American player that's ever lived. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about both Marion ways F and how he influenced the game in other zones. and uh, Yeah, like if you're going to win a game, yeah, I don't yeah, like it's Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. It's it, it is. It, like that, that was the biggest thing for me when I was sitting down to do this was, you know, how do I not have Patrick Kane on the top line? But then it came out of how do I not have Marion Hosa on the top yeah. line? Easiest thing to do would put one of them on left wing. Sharp could play either side, but Kane and Hosa never played left wing. Kane was actually a center one year. That was hilarious. Yeah, I, I think it's just easy to, to add them up with who they played with too. Like, where they but just... also, I mean, I don't want I don't want to like you know use that as like a chicken shit excuse as to why I, I did that. I, I it's Marion Hosa. He's the best all around player I've ever seen. Yeah, in this era of Blackhawks hockey, I don't know how you get away from that. Even as great as Patrick Kane is. Hosa, we've seen what he's meant to this team by his absence. I mean, Marion Hosa is, I mean, it's, it's funny, you talk to anyone, any player that's ever played with Marion Hosa, and they just start genuflecting. I mean, he's just, he's the ultimate teammate, the ultimate two-way forward, and, 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 and you know, he's, he's just an extraordinary player that he sort of got his due, but probably never got the due he deserved because he wasn't the biggest star on the team. Right. Yeah, I don't know, it's, it's yeah. I don't, it's I, a tough question. Host or Kane, who's the best right wing in modern Blackhawks Because history? often because Kane came up so big in such those series, too, where it wasn't just... Yeah, no, it, it's, I don't mean any of this to disparage Patrick For sure, Kane right, right. Like it, like, it feels like it ultimately that's what it, you know? It, like it feels, it, yeah. It, it's easy, it was easy for me to actually separate it because the lines were sharp days For sure. And Kane's yeah. always been the second line right yeah, wing, yeah. nominally. But when it comes down to it, if you're asking me who the best right wing of the 2010s was for the Blackhawks, I have a hard time not saying Marion Hosa. And I bet Patrick Kane would probably say the same thing because everyone loves Marion Hosa yeah. so much. Oh, that's... There's the, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, that was the trick. I think of all these things... I didn't, I didn't thought about it that way. It was just, yeah. I have the, 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 the Sharp Taze Hosa line in 2013-14 had a 37-22 to 22 scoring edge in 5-on-5. Five five yeah. They were just ridiculously dumb. I wonder what the Panarin and uh, Kane were over the two years. Um... I don't know. We could look that up. Yep. We should have planned ahead. Yeah, we should. <laughs> right, you talk, and I'll do things. Second line, um, I had Artemi Panarin. Yeah. Short but sweet two years here. Uh, Patrick Kane on the right wing, of course. And Brad Richards, as we talked about. Remember the PBK line? The PB and K line? 
Yeah. No, but it was Versteeg. I, I, I somehow got it. That was the only time I've ever gotten a line named. I was excited by that. Like, Sportsnet was using it, and it became like a thing, the PB&K line, which wasn't even that creative a nickname. But <laughs> um, Panarin, you know, we, we talked about him on the podcast recently, about just the, the kind of next-level understanding and telekinetic link he had with Kane. No, Kane's never – Kane had a career-high points last season without Panarin, but he's never looked as creatively fulfilled – and spectacular as he did with Panarin, they were just. The it was such a match. It was yeah. It was. It's Sod and Taves just on steroids. I mean, it's just so amazing how those two played together. And Brad Richards, you know, he signed a one-year, two million deal, two million dollar deal for the 2014-15 season because two reasons: he wanted to win a cup, and he wanted to play with Patrick Kane. And you remember when he came in, he was a fourth liner for a while. Yeah, there. he didn't start off on that. He line. was not happy about that at all. The dude no. was pissed. Like Kane was all excited too because he yeah did, he finally had like an offensive-minded center and you know right after going through like Marcus Kruger types for and even Dave Boland but uh yeah no Richards was pissed for like a month he didn't play with him and then then they played and they went on that ridiculous hot streak where they were just combining for like five goals a night for like a month and a half and just tearing up the league um Richards I mean he, he had 12 goals and 25 assists in the regular season three and 11 in the playoffs so he was fine yeah like he wasn't like the super dynamic player he was earlier in his career but he was exactly what that team needed. He was exactly what Kane needed. He stabilized things. I, I think you could have put it. The fact that Kane played so well with so many of those centers. Like, if you put Hansus there, like, you couldn't have argued because Hansus won a cup on that line, too. You know? Hansus, like, you know, Marion Hosa is clearly the greatest free agent signing in all of Chicago sports history. I think that's, you can say that unequivocally. Hansus might have been the sneakiest, best trade deadline acquisition in recent memory because what a difference he made for that 2013 team. In two years, Kane and Panarin, so out of, out of, Kane played 2,600, five on five minutes. That's a lot of minutes. Over two seasons. And 2,000 of those minutes were spent with Panarin. <laughs> and they were on the ice for 102 goals for and 80 against. See, that's the thing about the Sharp Taves uh, host line is they didn't, give, they didn't give up anything. Right, yeah. You had Marion Hosa and Jonathan Taves, two of the best two-way centers in the uh, two-way, two-way forwards in the world. And Patrick Sharp, who never got credit for being a 200-foot player, but really was. Yeah. He was very responsible. Well, I, I, think thought of I, I think when we talked about recently what this team lacks is that you don't have many forwards that are two-way guys like that Sharp and right. Hosa. That's exactly right. They were, they, yeah, there was a lot more well-rounded players yeah, that, sure, yeah. because they, they have a lot the, the Hawks have defensively responsible forwards but they have no offense to their games yeah. where these guys were just I mean to, to give up you know, so, so they give up 80 goals over two seasons these guys give up 22 in one yeah, season sure, shows yeah. you the difference yeah. there but they were just they, they just owned the puck uh, so Panarin Richards Kane I think that's pretty straightforward and obvious yeah, sure, I mean, yeah. Panarin I mean Panarin was only here for two years but he is one of the great talents that's ever come through this organization sure, yeah. and we're seeing that like what he did in Columbus and now with the Rangers he's but what is with the hair? What's going on with the hair there? Have you seen him lately? He looks like Krusty the Clown. <laughs> he puts on that helmet. It's like, my mom used to have a perm in the 1980s, and she was my Little League coach for like 10 years. So she would put on like those big boxy mesh Little League hats, and her hair would poof out the sides. Like I don't know if you remember the catcher, Charlie O'Brien. We used to call her Charlie O'Brien, where just this curly hair would just bounce out the sides of it. That's what Artemi Panarin looks like with a helmet on. Someone's got to tell him to cut his hair. I don't. I, I went this through. I went through phases like that in my twenties. So I, I sort of respect it. You just you get this curly hair. I, I, I had long hair in my, 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 my in my twenties. Also, it was not a good look. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it, it's a little out of control. Like I, I don't see like it's like it's like hockey players with the big beards. Like how would that be comfortable while wearing a helmet? Yeah. I feel like being comfortable on the ice is very important. There's no way you're comfortable. Sweaty beard, chin strap, helmet, big hair. What's wrong with these people? This is important information. <laughs> <laughs> All right, third line. 
Uh, we got Brandon Saad, mm-hmm. who is a very, very good hockey player. Yeah. And I don't think necessarily gets the credit he deserves as just one of those well-rounded, all-around guys. And he's been great this season. Yeah. Um, he can use a little puck luck. Yeah, he's got he's, he's second on the team and as, as we're recording this. He's got six goals. It feels like he should have 20 by now. He's yeah. always right around the net. Yeah. The it's all relative too, because like six goals isn't a lot in the NHL right now. No, but that's know? on pace for like twenty four, which is kind of what you want him in that twenty five thirty yeah. range. It's just he's not the guy that you also like. You thought he'd be that thirty guy when they traded for him, right? He was in Columbus when he was really the only guy they had. Yeah, he was a thirty one. I think thirty. And if he put away his, I mean, he's on you know at least for a long stretch there, he was the guy that was creating the most and having the puck yep. the most, and that line wasn't as good as Sad, Camp Kubalik were. They they weren't. Putting it like they were getting scored on more than they were scoring goals, right. despite all the possessions. Yeah, I, I, he had that play in the uh, um, the Carolina game, like right off the bat, where he just crashed the net and the puck's right on his stick, and somehow it went over the net. I mean, you're right, you're like two yeah. feet from. How does that happen? Seems like that kind of summed up. Sod so season. it's weird because Sod, Sod, the fact that he started here so young and played on that line, and they require him for Panarin. Like, there's this expectation of what Sod was going to be, and he's a really good hockey player. Just whether. Well, we all call him, we all call the mini Hosa. Yeah, that's a really unfair comparison. Yeah. Right? Hosa is an all timer. You know, he's a forty goal scorer. Right. Well, sure. who played that kind of defense? Right. Saad's a twenty five goal scorer who plays that kind of defense. Yeah. He's still really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I, you just he's probably not what you thought. you thought there were probably another level to what. He, he yeah, was. you thought that he was going to reach that, but I mean, I talked to him recently about when I was doing a story on Connor Murphy having never played in the playoffs. I talked to him about the fact that how spoiled he and Andrew Shaw, who I have as the center on this third line. How, how spoiled they were. They walked into the league, basically, and, and won the Cup, went to Game 7 of the Conference Final, and they won the Cup again. Like, that's how it's always going to be. Yeah, yeah. And Saad always brings us up as the, uh, um, I think it was the Red Wings series in, uh, in 2013, when they were down 3-1. to one. And Jamal Mayers, I, I wrote about this in my book a little bit, Jamal Mayers, basically, he stood up to talk, and he wasn't playing, but he was a, everyone respected him, obviously. He stood up in the room and said, look, guys, it's not like this everywhere. You know, most places you go, it's miserable. You lose all the fucking time, and you don't make the playoffs, and everything sucks. You guys have an opportunity here. And, and you pointed to Brandon Sides. Like, you could be in Minnesota someday. You could be in this city someday. You could be in Columbus. And, and it, it really... Minnesota. Yeah, he said, he, that's the one I remember him. It was Minnesota. He definitely said Minnesota. He's like, you have to, you have to take advantage of this now. Yeah. Because, you know, you're 21. It's, you might never come back here again. Does the game that uh, Mayors shot the puck on the other night? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We started the, the annoying... Uh, uh, all the, the Red Wings, but uh, it, it, it was telling because, I mean, yeah, we, there are players who go to the Stanley Cup final at like 21 years old and then never see it again. Yeah. And so these guys, you know, whatever Saad and Shaw do the rest of their lives, they're going to be at least two-time Stanley Cup champions. They've accomplished what they came to accomplish. So it's a different kind of hunger than like a Connor Murphy who has never made the playoffs at all. For sure. Like these guys desperately want to get back to it, whereas Murphy just wants to know what it's like. But, you know, Saad and Shaw, I mean, they were integral parts of those two teams. Who's the, uh, the third one on that line? I got Alex Dabrinkit on there, who oh. is waiting for his time. He's, he has not experienced the playoffs yet either, so uh, he has a very different path. I mean, he, like Saad and Shaw, he made it very quickly to the NHL yeah. after their draft years. Shaw was a little older because he got passed over twice. But Dabrinkit's waiting for that up. Like, I'd love to see what Alex Dabrinkit could do in the postseason. It's interesting. Yeah, like it's... Uh, like I know Dabrinkit's a left wing, but he can play right wing too. Well, sure. no, I know, but it just it feels like... <laughs> Yeah, it's because it, he wasn't a guy who, who was part of that success, but who's who's quickly. I mean, he obviously scored a, thirty goals and then forty goals that he's. I mean, the numbers that he's put up. Oh, he's like, a no-brainer as a top nine guy in, in the last ten years. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, how many guys have scored forty goals for this team? It's Kane and Debrinkin. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think did Sharp, Sharp 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 never got there, did he? Uh, 
Hosa did it in his older days when he was basically just an offensive guy before he learned to, that stealing the puck was as fun as scoring the puck. Uh, Sharp's max with the Hawks was 36. He had 36, he had 34, 33, 34, never got to 40. So, I mean, yeah. Brinkett had the second best goal scoring season in, team, in, in, in recent team history. Yeah, that's year, true. So. Yeah. Uh, I think he's an easy choice for up there. And, you know, he's going to certainly be like a cornerstone of the all 2020s team. For sure, yeah. Because he's not going anywhere and he's, God, he's just 21 years old. Who's on that? I was trying to think. He's already top ten among Blackhawks in goals scored in the two in the two thousands, ahead of Panarin, Bickle, Keith. Yeah, got more goals than Keith. Who's on the? Who's on your fourth line? All right, let's go to the fourth line. This is where it's so weird hard. that I we're doing this and I had no input. Like, I, it's kind I, of fun I, actually. I, 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 just, just, I'm just surprising you with it. You can yell at me for it. Uh, fourth line, I have Brian Bickle at left wing. Yeah. Dave Boland at fourth line center, and Christopher Stieg is the right wing. Okay. There were a lot of guys you could have put here. You could have put Marcus Kruger, who is underappreciated. You could have put Andrew Ladd, Troy Brower. It's interesting because it's, it's in one way that those are the best players, right? Like, but Kruger was the best fourth line like player, you know. Like he Dave fit- Bolin was fourth line center in 2013. Kruger was his left wing yeah. or right wing. But I'm saying, like the fact that I don't like, Kruger fit that role so well, oh, he's you perfect. know. He's like it was, player. but it, but it's like if you're, ultimately if you're picking the the 12 best forwards, like Kruger I have, I, I have more, Kruger and Tara. If Vinen. you're picking the best fourth line forward, then Kruger would be out. There. I had Kruger and Tara Vinen as my my extras, which was hard because like I'm leaving off. Andrew Ladd and Troy Brower, who are both significant players in this on that 2010 team. Yeah. But uh, Kruger, for the, all the reasons you said, I mean, there's a reason that Kruger was on the ice. Who your black? You got black aces. I got a whole, I got a long <laughs> list of black aces. Kruger, Kruger was on the ice in, for the, the last minute in 2013 and the last minute in 2015 because yeah. there's nobody Joel Quenville trusted more, even Jonathan Taves, than Marcus Kruger yeah. to lock it down. That's a very important role. That's why. I mean, that's why. Like when I when I when he left last. After last season, like it felt important to write about it because he's never got that. We had Kruger Week. I loved Kruger Week. Yeah, that was, was fun. It was two stories. It wasn't Host Week. It was, it was a Kruger. <laughs> uh, we had a couple stories. Kruger, but it was just he was such a key role player yeah. in those things that he just he's never gonna. I don't think they're gonna build a Marcus Kruger statue out there. But um, yeah, it was just so vital to be part of. Yeah, anyone that was part of two, two or more, obviously, obviously the guys for three, but anyone that was in two of those, it was. And he played such a unique role because the way that Quinville used him. Yeah. Um, Boland's a no-brainer to me. I mean, he, he was obviously scored the cup-winning goal in 2013, the 17 seconds. There's just something about Boland. He's the one who made that Vancouver rivalry so great. I, I, I always I love the way he would not cheat, but kind of cheat. He had this great knack for knowing exactly where the referee was and how to shield the other guy from view. And then, like use his own arm to pinch the guy, stick to him, and then, like, oh, fall down. Like, oh, there's a hooking penalty. Like, the, you need guys like that. Like, the, the, he, he was really just this one-of-a-kind presence out there. And, and, and a good player, too. He had 130 points in 57 games in his last year at the OHL. That's yeah. almost I mean, Patrick Kane numbers. He was a top-nine player here for a while, yeah, you know? that's almost Patrick Kane numbers at, at London. Like, he was a legit offensive star who became this kind of, like, defensive wizard. Uh, if if Bickle doesn't have the uh, that playoffs, do you think we think of him differently? That's a good question. Uh, he had two really good playoffs. He was good in the 2013 playoffs too. I mean, I mean the 2014 playoffs. Right. Too. Well, yeah. I guess that the fact that it didn't end up the 2015 top. one, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he had, that's when the MS uh, started to become. Yeah. But I'm just because I mean, often he was like like the Blackhawks paid him for that that playoffs. You know, like he was a third line guy who did okay. He was fine. They he never got they, paid that They much. felt that they had unlocked him during that 2013 play, yeah. like putting him on a top The problem is that he kept on saying, too, he was like, yeah, you can't really play this way the whole season. <laughs> I mean, 
he wound up he signed that contract after the 2013 season when he had nine goals and eight assists in 23 playoff games. Yeah. He would have gotten that kind of money elsewhere had they let him walk. Yeah. That's what people don't ever want to talk about. I think well, people, they probably should have let him walk. <coughs> yeah, well, he had what? He had 11 goals the next year. He had 14 goals a year after that. He wasn't a four million dollar guy. No, and four million dollars used to mean a lot more than well, for sure. Now. Yeah, I still think it was a mistake to trade Tavo just to get rid of one year of that four million. Right, right. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, but um, it, it, it's hard. I, I'm very partial to Brian Bickle. He's he's the most. No, I was just curious. I I, I think Bickle should be on the team, and, and and I think what he did in the playoffs certainly shapes the conversation. But it was just it was unfortunate. And he was for, still productive. Yeah, but he was never that guy. No. You know? Like you he, see, he's the most. Em- I, I always liked Bickle and appreciated him. He was the most emotionally honest athlete I've ever covered. Hmm. He didn't bullshit you. He didn't pretend things were okay. When he was struggling, it it hurt him, and you could tell when you talked to him. Like he would tell you, "It's frustrating, and yeah. like, I can't do what I'm supposed to be doing here." And when he started dealing with what we, what we later learned was MS, he thought he was having these vertigo symptoms and all this stuff. Like it was, it was. I remember hard talking to, to him in Rockford and stuff, and he's just you know, like he was just lost. Yeah. You know, he wasn't sure. What and that's the thing; he, he doesn't get defiant about it. Like he's just open about it. And yeah. Professional athletes are so conditioned to never show you what they're truly feeling. That I always loved Bickle for that reason. Is he was just he was out there. He's an open book, and um, yeah, I think. I mean, some of those conversations are tough. You know, like some of the guys. You know, like I talked to Zach Smith about being a healthy scratch. It's tough talking to a guy about it when they're sucking. Yeah, and 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 he was really good about it. You know, like yeah. just you you appreciate that too when it's you under, you realize from their perspective how difficult it is. A lot of guys get pouty and sulky. Yeah, no. and don't want to talk about it. You know, you, you can, there's something about a player's maturity level when they can talk honestly about things like that. And I, I, I always try to think of it from their side because I think I would be the pouty guy. Like, I, don't, <laughs> like I just, I, that's how I think I'd be. I don't think I'd want to talk to you. You know, like I, It's tough. I mean, you know, our, like our job is like we're basically annoying them. Like, yeah. like they don't want to talk to us. Nobody ever wants to talk to us. I think they appreciate it when they're done too. That they, maybe they should have utilized us differently because it also it helps set up things for the it future. It does controls their narrative to a degree. I mean, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of fans' opinions on players are shaped better for better or worse by us. Yeah. Because we're the conduit. I mean, it's a little different now. There's a lot more direct content on like social media and things like that. But for most, for the most part, you get to know a player through the writers that are covering them. And then yeah, I think it helps post career opportunities. Yeah. And, yes, and a lot of the, yeah. I, I, it's funny because you have guys who didn't want to talk to you as a player, and then when they get posts, like it's everything's fine and cool. And yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> We're not petty, no. Uh, defense, Key Seabrook, top pairing, duh. Yeah. I mean, that's just, of course. Uh, second pairing was duh, too. It was Johnny Oduya and Nicholas Jalmerson. That yeah. was the shutdown pairing for all those years. And they've been chasing that ever since. They kind of had it with Keith Jalmerson, but it was never Oduya Jalmerson. That was. Just you could throw him out there twenty four minutes a night against the best guys in the world, yeah. and they would just. Well, it's funny because like, Keith Donaldson was almost it was it was carrying the minutes that the Keith Seabrook were too. You know, like you had such two yeah. balanced such pairings that they they won the cup with those four guys. Yeah, and basically just those four guys in twenty fifteen. I think, and I do think I've talked about this a few times. I think that that twenty fifteen playoffs took a bigger toll than maybe we think about sometimes. Like I do think that it shortened careers. Like Oduya dropped off a cliff soon after that. Jomerson is he, he bounced back after a for, tough first year in Arizona, but he's not the player he once was. He's and, also older guys now too. Well, that's part of it, but yeah. I, I think I think they, I think it aged them. Yeah, like playing I think Jomerson's those, numbers are really good again this year too. Yeah, he, he's 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 back and and playing very well. But I mean, yeah, I feel like Keith and Seabrook, especially, you playing thirty two hard minutes a night yeah. for a playoff run like that. I mean, it was just it, you can't you don't get that back. Yeah, you know. Well, you just the, the, the next season comes. So quickly yeah. too, you know. It just, it's, it's just the just. I, I think that, like the the, the like he shouldn't be playing the minutes he plays no, now. Of at course, 36. he shouldn't be leading the team. 
but that's just the way it is because that's all they got. Yeah. Third pairing was a little trickier. Uh, I had Nick Letty and Dustin Bufflin. Yeah. Now, I know that Nick Letty was never Joel Quenville's favorite player, um, and I know that Nick Letty is remembered largely as a guy whose jersey Alec Martinez is shot, fluttered off of, and passed Corey Crawford in Game 7 of over, uh, against the Kings in 2014. But he was a good player for them yeah. for a long time, and he's still a good player. He's out there, and I, you know, there's, there's plus-minus issues last year and things you like that. Did you consider Billy Polka? I did not consider Billy Polka. Now I'm kicking myself for not considering Billy Polka. Um, and then Bufflin, I, I, you know, with Bufflin, he had a choice of... Uh, I, I could make a compelling case for Michael Roosevelt, and people are going to laugh at that. I love yeah, Michael Roosevelt. Sure. Michael Roosevelt was a very important piece of this team for a number of years. Again, the longevity issue is Roosevelt or even Eric Gustafson versus Campbell or Bufflin. Campbell and Bufflin are, are higher-end players in their primes, but Bufflin was here for half a year. Campbell came back. He wasn't the same guy as he was the first time around. Uh, Gustafson's coming off a 60-point season, and Roosevelt was an important piece of the team. He was... One of those rotation guys who was always okay being a rotation guy, and there's value in that. And every time he played, he was fine. People, people shat on Roosevelt so much. He was a perfectly consistent third-pairing defenseman for a long so time. So Letty was in just one cup, yeah? Yeah, he was yeah. The, the last last thing he did in the Black Ops. I think I'd probably put Campbell game, so. over Letty. Would you? He was such a significant signing, too, and I think... They, they, Symbolically, getting, Campbell was a big Getting deal, over yeah. that hump in 09-10 was... Like, 13... I don't know. It, was, it felt like more expected, almost. Where fifteen was certainly a surprise. The Campbell signing that was that was the Hawks. Like that was, if, if I remember right, it was McDonough saying like, "You got to sign, make a big signing for yeah. Brian Campbell." Yeah, Holson Campbell. Or they, they, they wanted yeah. to show the world. Well, yeah, because Holson was the following year. Yeah, they wanted to show the world that they meant business. They were going to spend money again, and Campbell was symbolically huge. And yeah, really good player. So yeah, you can make that argument. Campbell Bufflin. I have I have Campbell as the extra. Yeah, you could rotate them. Yeah, they could be rotation guys. Yeah. But uh, I do feel like Roosevelt... I feel like some of it's shaped, too, that we didn't cover that season. I wonder if it's, it's different. Yeah, it's true. There's, there's, there's certainly some of that. I feel I feel much more connected to that team, having done the book, yeah. than I did before I wrote mm-hmm. the book, where it was kind of like a foreign entity to me. Now I kind of like I dived into that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can make a compelling case for any of those guys. And you can make a case for Eric Gustafson. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing it for a few years now. He's been He's got twice as much time, three times as much time as Bufflin or Campbell. So uh, you can make a case for him. You can make a case for Roosevelt, but... I think Letty, Bufflin, Campbell, in any kind of order you want, makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And uh, we'll see if Adam Boquist and Ian Mitchell and Nick Bodan are in the 2020s list. Yeah. At least, at least, at least two of them better be, I think is how Bodan the needs, look it's going to need... He's going to take more time. Yeah. But if at least two of those guys make this list 10 years from now, then they'll be all right. They need, they need two legitimate players to come out of that. Or they, or they need Nylander to be what better than what Yukiar is. <laughs> so, so far, it's been a, a fair trade. Much fairer than I would have expected. Yeah. It, yeah. As I ranted about a lot over the summer. Who are your, who are your goalies? Goalies is Crawford and Darling. You could have made a case for Ranta. You could have made a case for Emery. Emery got Vezina votes in 2013. You could have made a case for Niemi. You cannot make a case for Niemi in my mind. No? I don't think so. I know he won a cup, but he wasn't like a reason why. Yeah, I don't know. Having won a cup, I don't. I, you probably can make a case over Darling, you know. Darling, man, his his numbers were spectacular in Chicago. Yeah. And don't forget, he won a playoff series that led to a Stanley Cup too, that Nashville series in 2015. He took over from Crawford and got them to the finish line, and then Crawford dragged them over. Um, for me, it was Darling. I mean, if you want to make a case for Niemi, you can. I don't have like a really strong. I don't. You know, like, I just. I, I. I feel like Niemi was just. 
not a system goalie because that's not really what what the Blackhawks were then. But I just feel like he's a product. Do you have his numbers there? From uh... I'm calling up right now. He and he played uh, just basically the ones he had three games in 08-09, and then 09-10 played 39 games, had a 9-12 save percentage, and a 2.25 uh, um, goals against. Uh, Hockey DB doesn't have that. Let me get it, look it up real quick here. This is riveting radio. Um, I, I, I mean, Ronta's numbers were spectacular too. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it is hard to gauge sometimes just because of the playoff success of like certain guys or just who who helped them win the Cubs and compared to the Panarins and the Brain Kids. Well, again, how are you deciding this this list? Are you deciding it by total overall impact? Are you deciding just about the success they right, had? Sure, the yeah. numbers? That's what makes a list like this fun to do is there's a million ways to look at it. In the playoffs, he had a... What the hell's going on here? Hockey reference, you tell me. There it is. In the playoffs, he had a 9-10 save percentage. Two six three goals against. I mean, yeah. these aren't like fantastic. For sure, yeah. These are league average numbers, yeah. and I feel that's what he was. He was a league average goalie behind an amazing team, and I think where a darling put up spectacular numbers behind a very good team, and yeah. I think that makes it. And he did it's it for fair. a couple of years. Uh, Auntie Ront is my favorite guy ever to come through here. I'd love to include him on the list, but and he's undefeated at the United Center over Where's two years. Smolniak? Uh, Smolniak is not on here. Here are my black aces, though. I got Troy Brower, Ray Emery. I don't have Niemi on here. Now I feel bad. I'm going to <laughs> have Niemi on here. Troy Brower, Ray Emery, Michael Froelich. Got to love Froelich. Yeah. Eric Gustafson, Michael Hanzus, Andrew Ladd, Connor Murphy, who's been doing it for a few years now, uh, Auntie Ranta, Michael Roosevelt, and Nick Schmaltz. Okay. Who you, can make a, you can make a case for Schmaltz to be in that top 12 in yeah. terms of just ability. I wish I was better prepared because I would have brought other names to the table. Well, we knew we were doing this podcast for like two I weeks. Know, I know, I know, I just... know. You could, and I'm pretty sure I did email you the list uh, when I was doing it so you could yell at me about it. So I feel like this is more on you than anything. No, I'm not. I'm not uh, <laughs> I already felt bad. You didn't have to pile on. So that's, uh, I guess that's my all-decade team. With, and now uh, here's my, I don't have Yeah, <laughs> that's 25 minutes, we'll go over it again. Here's He's, my Rockford team. Yes, we need the all-Ice Hogs team. Perry um, and Morin. I guess I, I guess I guess I should point out that Joel Quenville's the coach. Yeah. <laughs> Over Savard and uh, Colleton. But uh, but my favorite my favorite Blackhawks head coach was uh, uh, Kevin Deneen during the World Cup in 2016. <laughs> just from a media perspective. Just because he used the term loose candy to describe rebounds, <laughs> and I wanted to call our podcast last year loose candy, and nobody would go along with me for it. So, uh, so yeah, that's our all-decade uh, team. This reminds me of my old days at the Post Tribune doing all-area teams every, every high school oh, yeah. season. I hated doing those things, man. This is a lot easier to do than that because there's not 47 teams to choose from. Uh, so we, stats we, are we more readily ESPN available. We did Chicago, too, for all-area oh. football and basketball. It's so tough to get, like, you, you're just trusting the coaches to give you accurate stats. This guy had 17,000 yards rushing this year, really? That's what I was talking to Michael <laughs> Bryan of the Sun-Times about, and, and he's, he's asking about offensive linemen. Like, he's like, what should I do? He's oh, like, my God. That's, every time I had to do the, all, the, the football area offense, so I would like, okay, who's going to D1 schools? Yeah. Those well, guys get in. That's what I And then I would call yeah. the only couple of coaches that liked me. I'd be like, tell me who the five best offensive linemen in the real. He, he had like, seven, like seven linemen going to D1. <laughs> He's like, what should I do? I was like, oh, yeah, that's that was the worst. I hated doing offensive lines. Basketball was always easier because it's only five guys. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot easier to, yeah. We had an all-area basketball team that had five Division One guys on it, which were Northwest Indiana. It had uh, Luke Harangody, mm-hmm. went, to Andre, uh, went to Notre Dame, um, uh, Etwan Moore was on that team. Mm-hmm. East Chicago. He went played for the Bulls. Um, uh, 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 Scott Martin and Robbie Hummel. Okay. Both started Purdue. Yeah. 
And then um, kid who went to Virginia, and I can't remember his name. It starts with a J, and I feel bad. But he didn't go anywhere, so. <laughs> anyway, getting off on some tangents now. That's our all-decade team. Well, that kid's listening to the podcast, and he's like, I can't believe this. <laughs> Jamil Tucker? I want to see Jamil Tucker. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, that's our all-decade team. Yell at us on Twitter. Go ahead and yell at us. Mark, Mark did it. I didn't. I just... Yelling me. It's fine. <laughs> I'm used to it. Till next time, we'll see you. See you. Won't you let me try?